Judges chapter 2, if you have a Bible handy, I'm just going to take 15, 20 minutes here and share a word. It's been burning on my heart. I'm going to try to get just to the core of it pretty quickly and make sure that I get the point across that the Lord had laid there. Just as a recap, what Jason's talking about, this gospel of the kingdom is a proclamation really of a king that's uh, coming to rule and reign. And that there's a proclamation of a kingdom of light because there is currently on this earth a kingdom of darkness. And so it's one kingdom versus another kingdom. Uh, there's, there's no doubt about that. You just have to turn on the news or you just have to look across the street or maybe look sometimes in your ho- own home to see how the darkness uh, tries to creep in on us. But there is a king coming and he is bringing the light and he is coming to rule and reign and there will be no more darkness. In fact, there'll be no more sun uh, because Jesus himself will be the light for us. We bring the kingdom of God, not geographically like the Israelites used to, where they went and conquered lands and they went and took over you know, swaths and square miles of area. We bring the kingdom of God in human hearts. We bring the kingdom of God in homes. We bring the kingdom of God in relationships and workplaces. It's all based now in a different way in the spirit instead of in the natural. But we are bringing the kingdom of God still. The way I believe that we are to exercise in the call that we've been given here at New Life El Dorado at the top of the list for us is that we are to usher in the kingdom of God through our faithful and persistent and heart-wrenching prayers to the Lord. I believe we're to be a people of prayer. And as I read this week, there is no praying pew without a praying pulpit. And so I've been convicted here in the last month or two, just again, to stand my watch, to pray. I've asked some of the shepherds here among us just to be praying for the flock. Our job is to pray, and I want to do that well. I want our focus in 2020 to be to see clearly what the Lord is, His will is, and then execute it here in El Dorado. A... um, uh, Ian Bounds is one of the prominent guys in prayer, and I want to start off with this quote um, that he wrote uh, a long time ago. There is no wonder more supernatural and divine. Sorry, I said Ian Bounds. It's A.B. Simpson. I started to say that first, but that's who it is. A.B. Simpson, this quote. There is no wonder more supernatural and divine in the life of a believer than the mystery and the ministry of prayer. The hand of the child touching the arm of the father and moving the wheel of the universe. One more time. There is no wonder more supernatural and divine in the life of a believer than the mystery because it is, and the ministry, because we have to give ourselves to this ministry, of prayer. And what prayer looks like is the hand of the child touching the arm of the almighty, omnipotent, powerful father, and then moving the wheel of the universe. Isn't that amazing what authority we have? What power we've been given, not because we're worth it, but because he wants to accomplish his purposes here on the earth. He's chosen to partner with us to release his kingdom here. We bring the gospel of the kingdom through prayer. 
Um, as a recap here, a couple uh, weeks ago, I preached on uh, talking about uh, the letter to the church in El Dorado that, uh, that Sam wrote to us. And again, as you recall, the three focuses for us were prayer and service and community or fellowship here in El Dorado. And I want to spend some time, some weeks uh, going into this next year focused on this first item, prayer. And what was on my heart today, what I want to talk about is the, the issue of authoritative prayer, the issue of praying downward instead of just praying upward. And what I mean by that, there's two types of prayer. Praying upward is where we make our requests known to God from earth to heaven, which we all know how to do that. Give us our daily bread. Would you lead us not into temptation? All these different things. We're making our requests to him and they're good, but that's only half. There's another type of prayer called downward prayer because we are right now, you and I in Christ Jesus, seated where, everybody? In the throne room, at the right hand of God, with Christ Jesus. We don't see it yet, but we are in Christ, in our spirit, seated at the right hand of God. Anybody want to guess what that looks like? I guess you don't have to guess. We could look in Revelation. It's terrible. Lightning comes out from his throne. Peals of thunder. People fall down, the elders and the cherubim and the seraphim, there's, there's worship. It's the place of power. It's the place of power in the universe. It's, it's, it's beyond what we can ever imagine. We're seated there. And so when we pray, we can actually pray from that seat down to earth. We can actually pray authoritative prayers that come bringing heaven from, from the throne room down to the earth. This is what I talked about two weeks ago. We bind and we loose. The action on earth governs heaven. And I know that's kind of a wild concept, but the Lord has chosen. Remember the graph I showed you a couple weeks ago? The graph time eternity goes, eternity past, present, and future goes all the way across. But there's this little box in the middle called time. And the Lord has given rule here on the earth to us, to us weak people with character issues and problems and failings. He's given us the seal. He's given us authority to bind and to loose. So we can pray authoritatively from heaven down to earth and bring his kingdom here. What a miraculous thing. What, what glory he's given us. So um, we don't have to flip there now, but do you remember when the Israelites had left Egypt and they're coming up to the edge of the Red Sea? Who was behind them? The Egyptians. Ah, we're going to kill you. After 10 plagues, we're still going to kill you. And what was in front of them? The impassable Red Sea. And the people of Israel began to cry out like they often did. Why did you bring us out here to die? And Moses says, stand firm, stand your ground. The Lord is going to deliver you today. And then we don't have this in the scripture, but I always picture Moses saying that. Okay, you guys sit still, hang tight. Okay, what are we going to do, God? Please help. What are we going to do? What is, please deliver us. Deliver us. And what does God say to him? I think I've got this up there. Maybe Exodus chapter 14. Uh, he says to me, why, do you, why are you crying out to me? Why are you praying upwards to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Raise your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea and you divide the water. You divide the water so that the Israelites can go through on the sea on dry ground. Meaning, 
Don't pray upwards to me when I've given you the staff of authority. Don't cry out to me for something that I've told you to do. Does that make sense? It's not just asking the Lord to deliver us. Sometimes we have to put on our big boy pants and we have to use the rod. We have to use the authority to bring his kingdom here on the earth. I'm a little bit worked up about this today. Because I've gotten kicked around by attitudes and news and some discouragement. And Lizzie's gotten kicked around by some of that. And we just kind of get funky. And, and we just start saying things like, I don't feel like, and it just feels like, and I just don't feel real good, you know? Anybody ever been there? And all of a sudden, we're, we're crying out to God in such a way that I, he's in heaven saying, what do you want me to do with this? I'm going to allow this in your life because I want you to learn how to fight. And there's, there's, there's nothing that's, that gives us a clearer picture into this than the Judges 2. Judges 2 into Judges 3. Please, please, please turn there if you have a Bible or just keep your eyes up on the screen because I really want you guys to see how this works. Nothing gives us a clearer picture of walking in our authority and what the Lord has done for us to help us with that than this. You guys remember... Uh, that Joshua went in and, and cleared the land, and he actually went and conquered. But not every single enemy came out of the promised land. And so it says in Judges chapter 2, verse uh, 21, I will no longer drive out before them, before the Israelites, any of the nations Joshua left when he died. I'm going to use these nations, these enemies, to test Israel and see whether they will keep the way of the Lord and walk in it as their ancestors did. The Lord had allowed these nations to remain. He did not drive them out at once by giving them into the hands of Joshua. That seems kind of weird. Why would he not do that? It was their land. These are the nations the Lord left to test all those Israelites who had not experienced any of the wars in Canaan. That makes sense now. He did this only to teach warfare to the descendants of the Israelites who had not had previous battle experience. There you go. Why did the Lord choose to leave these enemies in the land? To teach warfare to the Israelites who had had no battle experience because it's very, very important for them to learn how to fight. And so there's no place to learn warfare like on the field of battle. And so the Lord leaves these enemies uh, in, in our lives. Uh, we're saved, we're sealed with the Holy Spirit, but I still got some problems with temptation. I've still got some problems with with attitude and some, some discouragement sometimes just comes and sits on me. Sometimes on Monday, you know, it's just there. It's, it's kind of normal in the world to talk about, oh, it's just a Monday, but that's a real thing. It's a spiritual thing. And, and the Lord comes in and, 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 or the enemy comes in like a flood sometimes. And, and all of a sudden we just get all knotted up inside. We're like, what am I supposed to do with this? And we get discouraged because I'm still here. And then we get down in the dumps. I'll never get over this. I'll never have victory. 
And we start to cry out like Israel, save us, save us, save us. And the Lord says, I want you to use your rod to get that out of your house. So picture with me, if you would, that you're sitting there with your family in your house that's bought and paid for. Or maybe it's not bought and paid for, but you're making good progress on the mortgage. And a knock on the door comes, and in comes a couple big burly guys. And they just walk right in. And they sit down in your living room, one of them does, and the other one starts going through your refrigerator. And you say, what are you, wait, hey, whoa, 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 what are you doing in my house? They said, this is our house. You're like, hold on, this is not your house, this is my house. No, no, this is our house, we're taking it. You all need to get out. What do you do? What do you do? Well, what seems reasonable, for those of you who might be packing today, is to take it one way. Others of you will call the cops. If you keep on arguing back and forth with them, you're eventually going to get to the point where you're like, I'm going to go back this up with the title deed to my house. You can't, in a court of law, say this is your house. Why? Because this is my house. Look, I've got the mortgage, or I've got the deed on it. That seems really normal, right? Anyone with backbone or any common sense knows that what you do. That's what you do. But spiritually, we don't do that sometimes, do we? What do we do when they come in and say, this is my house? I'll, I have the authority here. We're like, oh, well, why? Well, because you haven't taken care of the lawn and the gutters need scraped out and, and the roof is leaking. Yeah, you're right. I'm not doing a very good job. Well, then, like I said, get out of this house. You're like, oh, well, can I have some time to pack? Just give me a few minutes here. Can I stay in the back corner of the house? Just a small room? Okay, well, don't make any noise. All right, I'll just stay back. That's what we do, right? We get kicked around in our own living room and the Lord wants us to stop doing that. So when we pray, this is what I want you guys to practice with me this week. The next time condemnation or discouragement comes up in your life, I want you guys to practice pulling out the title deed. I want you to pull out the words that prove you are who you say you are. Let's practice just a little bit. The enemy comes in and says, you have no right to this house. This is not your property here in the spirit. You have no right to take authority here. What do you say according to the scripture? Somebody tell me. I got the deed. Give me a scripture. Somebody give me a promise uh, that you are who you say you are. Hell, let's practice, let's practice this one together. Here you go. There is therefore now no for those who are in. I am more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. I've been redeemed with the blood of the lamb. I've been washed white as snow. I'm not perfect, but I've got authority. Why do we have authority? Because the one who has all power and all authority has given it to us. I don't care how your house looks on the outside. You've got authority. And by the way, your gutters need scraped out. Your, your, the roof needs to be fixed up. The only way to take care of that, though, is to rise up and to take care of it. The, the Lord has given us this, this, the Holy Spirit that we might know the things freely given to us by him. And the Holy Spirit, we put to death the misdeeds of the flesh by the Spirit. The Lord wants us to be sanctified. But I'm telling you guys, we're getting kicked around. And then the Lord says there's, there, there's a time, that, that time has come to stop being kicked around. The Holy Spirit has given us authority in Jesus' name. So... Um, 
the name of Jesus, real quick, you guys remember, I think I've got Acts 4, 7 up there. Here's a good example of this. Peter and John had just raised the lame guy up. He was not able to walk. And the Sadducees, all the leaders in the, in the, in the synagogue came, and they asked them a question that really opens the door to help understand this. They said, by what power or in what name did you do this? By what power or in what name did you raise this lame man up? And the reason that's such a big deal is because the Sadducees understood someone who acts in someone's name has been given authority. Listen to me. Anyone who acts in someone's name has been given authority. When I send someone that works for me to the bank, and I give them authority to make a withdrawal, they don't come in their own name. They come in my name, or in my brother's name, or my dad's name. Shiloh, my three-year-old, sits on the toilet, and she cries out, will someone please come take care of me to get me off the toilet, because she can't wipe herself. And so, last night, I'm sitting there. Sorry, this is just the best example I can think of on short notice. I said, Haven, go in there. Take care of Shiloh. Haven comes back out five minutes later. Shiloh says she wants you to come do it. I said, no, you tell Shiloh. You have my authority to go take care of this. You go do it. And if she doesn't listen to you, then she's got problems with me. I delegate responsibility to someone out, and they, they have the authority then based on who I am, not based on who they are. I joked around here a couple of weeks ago about Bert Anderson putting a million dollars in each one of our bank accounts, and we have the signature stamp. We can go withdraw it from the bank account, but some of us are too afraid to do that. So the name of the Father in the Old Testament represented authority, and the name of the Holy Spirit in the New Testament represents power. And those two names are summed up into the man, Christ Jesus. All power and all authority has been given to him. And he has given it to us because we are seated with him. We've got way more firepower than we think we have. Way more authority. Real quick, by the way, Jesus puts an emphasis on Matthew 6, not on answered prayer, but on rewarded prayer. I think we put a lot of emphasis on prayers being answered, right? When the Lord who sees what's done in secret, when you pray in secret, when the Lord sees that, he will do what? Answer you? No, it doesn't say that. It says he'll reward you. But the Pharisees who pray out loud all the time, they fill the air with their prayers, they've already received their what? Reward. It doesn't say they've received their answer. So we place an emphasis on, air, on prayers being answered. And that's good. Prayers do get answered. But Jesus doesn't place that emphasis. He says, you pray without seeing the answer because you're going to get rewarded someday. Trust me, church. You do not need to worry about the outcome. You just pray. Don't worry about if that thing lifts off of you right away. You just keep on praying. If you pray with authority and that spirit of fear doesn't lift off of you and you still got constriction in your chest and you're short of breath, then you get a brother or sister or call me and I'll pray with you over the phone. And we'll do it and we'll keep on doing it until that lifts, until you can learn to fight the enemy off, right? There is no place for fear in the body of Christ and yet we live with it like it's normal. We've got to kick that thing out of our house, right? Okay, so a few different things, a few enemies in the land that keep us from our rightful inheritance, discouragement, distraction, condemnation, doubt, fear, temper, lust, 
anxiety, lies, stress. Why doesn't God just banish all of them from us? Somebody tell me again, based on what we just read in Judges chapter 2 and 3. We learn to war. We learn to war. Don't forget we're in a battle. We got casualties. We've all seen them. Casualties falling by the wayside. Don't forget you're in a war. There's no such thing as a soldier who checks himself out from duty. There's either one side of the fight or the other side of the fight. You are in a war. So we've got to fight. God doesn't say in Mark chapter 11, Jesus doesn't tell us to pray to God, would you please remove this mountain for me? This mountain in my life, would you deliver it? What does he say? You speak to this mountain, be cast up, and to be thrown into the sea. Believe and don't doubt. Um, don't hear me say name it and claim it, guys. I'm not going to let, though, the authority of prayer get, get maligned by some doctrines that have, that have twisted us up. I'm saying we've got power and authority to move things. Ian Bounds, again, coming back to him. I'm sorry. I keep on coming to Ian Bounds because I'm really liking him, but he's not the one who said this. Andrew Murray is the one who said this, but there's a way to... Uh, there's a way to move uh, culture. There's a way to move people in prayer. We can actually move uh, weather by our prayer. We can actually move the hearts of people by our prayer. So do you have someone in your life that's gossiping around you right now? Someone who's gossiping about you, someone who's maligning you, that's hurting you. What do you do about that? Well, you, you can Go confront them, which biblically might need to be what you do. But if you don't have freedom to do that, you for sure know we can't go gossip about them, right? So what do you do? You go bind the gossiping spirit around them. You bind the temptation for them to gossip and you pray, you release conviction from the throne room of God into their hearts because they're a believer, right? This person that's gossiping against you is a believer, you release conviction from the throne room of heaven into their hearts that they would stop gossiping. And what happens a couple weeks later? You get a phone call. Hey, I've been gossiping, and I'm sorry. I shouldn't have done that. I just feel convicted. And you learn, as I have learned, to control people from the throne room of God. Not in a bad way, not in a bad way. You control situations from heaven to earth, but you take your hands all the way off the situation. Apply this to your kids, apply this to your job, apply this to your finances. Bind and loose and watch what God does. It's a miracle, guy. It's, it's so much fun to pray from this place. I'm praying for y'all like that, by name. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that the love of this world would be broken off, some of y'all and me. I pray that we would have eyes to see. I pray for some of y'all that are underneath the weight of condemnation and despair, that you would know who you are in Christ Jesus, and it's coming for you guys. Some of you I'm praying for by name, it's coming. You will be raised up. The Lord's doing a work, not because I'm special or anyone praying for you is, but because he is powerful. He's going to release from the throne room of God healing. Okay, I think that's about all I had to say, guys. I feel like I just unloaded a bunch of stuff there. Jonathan, I just, can I speak just real quick? Do it. I just want to affirm this word. Yeah. I have experienced this so many times in my own life, uh, especially here in the last few years. Hmm.
Yeah. You speak, you rebuke. Yes. And we have this authority. Uh, and I think the enemy hides this. One of his greatest attacks is he hides our authority from us. We have so much strength because we have Christ in us. Yes. That's good. That's good. Yeah, what happens when your grand, three-year-old granddaughter or your two-year-old son comes in and tells you, I'm taking the car? So please, please, please don't be that person in the spirit that says, here's the car keys. It's all yours. Whatever you think is best. No, 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 no. You stand your ground. After you've done everything, stand. There is no room for doubt There's no room for despair and there's no room for a spirit of accusation in your marriage. Did you know that? There's no room for it. There's absolutely no room for you to fear finances tomorrow. Some of you, I've talked to three people today who've gone through major job changes in the last couple of weeks. There's no room for a spirit of fear for you. There's no room for anger towards that person that's hurt you that you just can't let go of. It keeps on assailing you. You can't kick it. There's no room for it. There's no room for a spirit of lust to control your life. There's no room for it in your house. The Lord wants to clean house. Amen? Amen. 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 Let's stand up, guys. Lord, I thank you for the complete access that you've given us, Lord, to power from heaven, Lord. I thank you, Father, for the, how you've allowed us, Lord, into the Holy of Holies to make our requests known to you. Forgive us, God, where we have been complacent and handed the car keys off or let people take our house, Lord. Forgive us, God. Lord, teach us to war, teach us to fight, teach us to use the staff that you've given us like Moses had, Lord. We place no confidence in ourselves, Lord, but you're the one that gave us the badge, so teach us to exercise it, Lord. All power and authority in Christ. I pray for kingdom order in every home here, God, every marriage. I ask, Lord, that you would bring the kingdom of Jesus into our workplaces, into our minds, our marriages, and our families, Lord. God, we pray, open our eyes that we would know your will. I pray that you would make us a praying church, God. God, we're lost unless we pray. So I pray for a conviction, Lord, for all of us. I pray that there would be joy in your house of prayer, God. I pray for the the temptation to look at prayer like a really heavy, burdensome duty to be dissipated in Jesus' name but I pray that you would actually give us a longing to pray. I'm asking, Lord, for 2020 to be a year of clear focus and vision. I'm asking for 2020, Lord, that you would help us to exercise the keys of the kingdom here on the earth. Bless these precious brothers and sisters, Lord. Keep them this week. Guard them from all the work of the enemy, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.